Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. Oh, hello, and welcome to the Bleachers. It is Bleacher Blums. I am your co-host, Jeff Blum. Played 14 years in the show. I was seen behind me and what, half the jerseys I wore. And then we've got David Tuttle out on the West Coast, covering that uh, West Coast, having a good time. You got a little bit of a heat wave out there, Tuttle, but uh, David Tuttle played uh, minor league baseball for about eight, nine years. Uh, traded a couple times in some big trades. Unfortunately, didn't get a break to get into the show. But plenty of knowledge and experience on that side. Uh, big time CrossFit guy, played for Team USA. I don't know how I always forget that, but that's pretty, uh, during that era that we grew up in, you playing on Team USA is saying something. There's some great names and uh, a lot of big leaders on the teams that you've played with. But here we are in the bleachers, it's open, and it's been great hanging out with you and hanging around a lot of friends. We gained some golf buddies, I think, along the way with that podcast we had a couple ago, talking about our major championship prowess and how good we were at prognosticating who's gonna win a major championship. And then we had Roland Colton on, one of your basketball buddies who has uh, written a book and has done a good job kind of tying history to the modern day game, which I thought was really interesting and a lot of fun. But what's on tap for this broad, broad podcast this week who's, that's brought to you by St. Arnold is going to be a little bit of a smorgasbord. It's smorgasbord, that's an easy one to say. Smorgasbord. I always feel like I should be the, you know, the Swedish chef from the Muppets. Yeah, from the Muppets. That's my man, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's how I feel like I'm talking like that sometimes when I get going. But um, we're going to talk a little bit about maybe some college football. I want to talk about Zach Granke, and we need to appreciate what that guy's doing. And oh, yeah, Tuttle, how about some unwritten rules? Tuttle's got a great, uh, is it a metaphor or is it an analogy? I think it's story? an analogy. Yeah, more of an analogy, but he, he's got a good one. So Tuttle, all that's on tap. We're ready to go. Of course, we have what will Tuttle say, maybe a Blum's Blast, depending on how it goes. But how are you doing first and foremost, my friend? Blummer, thanks for leading us in, man. You're, you're a good talking head. I know you do this uh, every night on television and uh, you're getting good at it. So uh, thanks for bringing me in. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. And we do have a little bit of a heat wave. I know you're still connected to SoCal. Um, you know, a heat wave here, very similar to strong weather. I mean, we always have the fire season here, which is a little concerning. But a heat yeah. wave here, like Houstonians would be like, heat wave, <laughs> like, give me a break. But what's happening, um, I, speaking of CrossFit, I went to CrossFit this morning at 5.30. And five minutes in, you're just drenched. It's the humidity, right? They always happens, say, yeah. it's not the heat that kills you, it's the humidity. I mean, it is like it's like 90 to 95 percent humidity in, in southern california that's Welcome. unbearable there's a guy in my class and uh english is a second language nice guy rico he grew up in el salvador and i'm like dude rico i mean i played winter ball in puerto rico speaking of rico and i said where did you grow up and he said el salvador and i said what about this weather i said did you bring the weather with you and he's like this weather's gr this weather's terrible like el salvador has better weather than this he goes it's not that humid there it's more tropical and i'm like well I mean, we have worse weather than El Salvador. That's the, that's the news flash here. I'm so, um, yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, there you go. I mean, I think right now it feels like Houston without the bugs. So, I mean, you know, we don't have yeah. big bugs. We don't have skiers. We don't have gnats. We don't have certain things, but man, oh. it's been pretty unbearably hot. And, uh, 
I guess the other breaking news is school started yesterday for the kids and they're starting out today for us. Yeah. So excellent kind of time. Uh, <laughs> the summer's over finally. I mean, like the kids actually have something <laughs> Spring to do. break finally ended. Yeah. Yeah. After seven <laughs> months. So, uh, so, you know, it's, we're, I don't know if there's a sense of normalcy. The only constant in life is change, but uh, you know, health and uh, we're all healthy and happy as, uh, as we talked about off air as you guys are, but uh, you know, I mean, the weather's, you know, we always talk about the weather. I guess the weather is a, uh, is what it is, but uh, we're running AC a little more than we normally would. And, uh, and maybe our tax rate's going to go up. We had rolling blackouts and all that stuff. So unreal, by the way. Yeah. So it's been crazy, but, uh, but Uh, otherwise we're doing, doing well. So how about you, Blum? Are you doing well? Yeah, we're doing good. Uh, things are a little bit busy. Uh, that's probably why I'm so unprepared is because school's starting, uh, volleyball tryouts have been going, and then baseball's been going. And I know that you've actually been watching a lot of baseball. Uh, we've been texting throughout some of these games uh, with some, some of the things that have been going on. I got a couple what? of the who's the Astros correct right away. I'm like, all right. Yeah, you did. I played yeah, with that guy. Going. I know who that guy is. <laughs> so anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, name that Astro presented by yeah, Nissan. That's right. Uh, <laughs> got that one nailed down. But it's been it's been fun. I actually got to go out and play some golf today with my buddy Scott House. I'm actually going to plug his website on this on this podcast. It's uh, SwingSolutions.co, and uh, I'm going to actually pipe in a little bit of a video if our if our good buddy Kevin Perkins can cut that video up and make it look pretty, because uh, I actually got him on the course working with him, and it was a lot of fun. I hit some really bad shots and then I hit some really good shots. So it's just a matter of finding that consistency in between, but uh, watching Astros baseball has actually been a lot of fun recently. They haven't been pretty games. They've been winning some tight ball games. And right now they currently have the best winning streak in all of baseball. They've won six straight and have actually battled back to get a little bit closer to the Oakland A's who finally lost a couple of games. Now they're two and a half back, but the A's have been absolutely in fuego and interesting that they – I think they've actually been playing a little bit better without that uh, Laureano guy, whatever. But that being said, <laughs> that being said, uh, it's been fun to watch them. The tight ball games have been interesting and kept us engaged. But the one constant throughout this is that the starting pitching at this point is actually has some better numbers than last season's starting pitching, which is crazy to think about. But the one guy I want to highlight is Zach Granke. This dude is fourth in the American League with his ERA – and he only has one win, which tells you that he's getting no run support. And I think it actually went down. It was at 2.9 runs per game uh, yesterday during his game. And then he got no runs. So it's going to go down from that. But he's been pitching his tail off. And it's been fun because he's not that guy that goes out there and just blows the doors off people. He'll go out there. He, he invented a changeup in his last start, at like a legitimate changeup at like 78, 77 miles an hour. And then he's got six other pitches that he's working with, but he has been dealing and it has been fun to watch. And I know you as a pitcher total, you've been watching some of the, some of these games too. And I know you appreciate what granky has been able to do. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think, gosh, I wish I could have invented some more pitches that might have kept me around longer. You know, right. uh, we should all be able that, to do that. That's right. You mentioned my eight or nine years. I think it was 10 total, you know, wow. professional baseball. And it's like, you know, why couldn't I invent more pitches and figure out how to take a little off here and add a little there? Little this, little this, a little pressure right. here. You know and it saying? is fun now sitting on the couch watching because what Granky's doing is is uh, is magical. I mean, I think Greg Maddox That's actually said a good it. word for it. Yeah, it, well, good. I appreciate that. I, uh, Greg Maddox used to talk about this all the time, and he didn't give up a lot of his secrets while he was playing. And you had the uh, 
good fortune of uh, most likely having him as a teammate, not having to face him as much. But, you know, he talked about, you know, doing less in bigger situations. And I think this was towards the end of his career. But, you know, he wasn't going to share that information. You know, I was throwing 89 to 91 to 92 with a good sinker and I could sink it. And my mentality was always to add more. And what Mm -hmm. happens when you add more if you're throwing, you know, uh, you know, a, a decent fastball, a major league average fastball, what happens when you add more to it is it typically flattens out and straightens out and you get off the planes and all that stuff. So you're not on two planes, you're on one plane. Well, guess what a hitter likes, man? Guess what they see all day long on BP? It's a one plane pitch. So I think Greg, he's doing a really nice job of not just keeping the hitters off balance, but, you know, he's changing those speeds keeping the movement on the ball and and challenging guys when he needs to challenge them. I think sometimes you can also have a reputation of being a nibbler or a guy who's going to, you know, kind of, Hey, I'm never going to throw a two Oh fastball. I'm going to throw the change up. Hey, here comes that two Oh fastball right down the middle. And ah, you see it freezes hitters up. So, I mean, magical may be the word, but he's certainly doing a great job. And I wanted to kind of piggyback on what you said of watching the A's because I am on the, um, uh, the left coast here and, I, I do like the A's. I like the Giants. Those are my teams. And they had a big battle right after the Astros left town. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, God, you know, dude, they played from behind. Well, again, I, I Giants. Gabe oh. Kapler, you know, Gabe Kapler. Gabe was a, you know, a minor league teammate of mine. We don't have a lot in common. We know some people in common. And I, you know, I didn't love him as the hire for the Giants. I mean, he may disagree with that. Uh, but uh, he has done a really good job, actually, of being the mouthpiece and taking the responsibility for what's happening. And I think that alleviates it on the players, alleviates some of the pressure on the players. But, man, you know, 6-2, to two and he brought in Gott. And I don't know if you've seen Gott throw for the – dude, he is nasty. And guess what? He cannot get anybody out right now. He's given, <laughs> up, he's given up eight home runs in less than three innings. He oh, gave up man. three of the A's, then he gave up – two or three the next night gave up three they left him in and then he gave up two to the diamondbacks the night after and you know gabe keeps saying well you know we don't have a closer he's our late inning guy dude he's throwing 90 kind of from a weird arm slot he's throwing 94 to 97 and he's got a breaking ball that's more than two planes it's kind of like a slurve it's a really hard curve at like 80 82 to 84 dude the a's who were ice cold we talked about it when the astros hasn't been good no it's like it's unbelievable how the a's were like you know this olsen kid can really hit he's hitting 111 with like seven home runs now he's hitting like 270 with 12 home runs it's like whoa what happened (laughs) like he started hitting and i Mm -hmm. think you mentioned loriano going out i don't know what it was it might have been the next man up mentality so aside from the a's bats actually i mean you know that lineup chapman and olsen and even um uh, Kana, you know, Kana's in there. I mean, some power. They just kind of have a, always this group of no-name dudes. Um, mm-hmm. And they raked. So anyway, we can talk about the mentality. We can talk about the heat. We can talk about um, uh, Granky some more. But I think that's that combination of just, this is like, in this 60-game season, anything can happen. And Gott's coming in there with god-awful stuff. I mean, he is just lights out. And he gave up seven home runs in three, less than three innings, three outings. I was like, what is happening? And that's when you know a lot of this game is between the ears. And that'll yeah. circle all the way back to Granky and say, dude, whatever it is between his ears, he's got it. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's challenging guys with lesser stuff and sometimes greater stuff and getting guys out. And it's really, uh, it is really impressive. And I think hopefully it's a good example to uh, the young Astros pitchers like Belak. Yeah. Belak's looking really oh, good too. 
Yeah, Belak is looking good, and those are guys that are kind of pitched to contact. They're not looking to overwhelm you or get the swing and miss. Uh, they you that you know they rely a little more on the mentality like Tuttle is talking about. But it's a psychological warfare when you're facing a guy like Granky because you're going, he should throw this pitch now, but he won't throw that pitch. But maybe he will throw that pitch. But if he doesn't throw that pitch, then what? Yeah. And that's where he gets you. Is as soon as he gets you past that second thought, he's in your head, and then he can throw whatever he wants because he throws a change. He has a changeup that he throws as hard as he can, and it's at 86 and it dips. And then his fastball comes in at 88 and it stays straight. So you're sitting there guessing. You're trying to figure out a, two planes like uh, Tuttle's talking about. And by the time you figure it out, it's by you. And you're beat by 88. And it and it's drives you bonkers when you're doing it. And I love the fact that he changes speeds on all of his pitches. He goes in, out, up, down. And the speed changes are unbelievable. But you brought up a good point about, <clears throat> about Greg Maddox talking about you know, uh, you know, pitching, slowing down the situation if it's, if it's doing a big less. situation. Yeah. Doing less in a big situation. I had a conversation when I played with San Diego with uh, Jesse Barfield, who played with the Yankees and Blue Jays. I played with his son, Josh Barfield, with uh, San Diego. Yep, and we were walking out. Yep. And it, it happened to be a game where I, I got a hit late in the game to put us ahead. And it was on and off speed pitch. And, you know, we're talking about the at-bat. And I was talking to him and I'm like, yeah, you know, just sometimes, you know, I, I get the feeling that I need to sit soft sometimes. And what I mean by soft is a secondary pitch, uh, not a fastball. Right. Breaking and, ball change up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him. And he goes, he goes, that was one of my biggest things that I had to remind myself when I played. And I said, what was that? And he goes, louder the crowd, slower the pitch. And it kind of goes to what Tuttle is saying in a big situation, do less because the hitter's trying to do so much. So the hitter's the one that has to adjust, but it takes a pitcher who's a little more advanced in the thinking to say that to himself and believe in it and execute it. That's why I think that was a good thing that you just said. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think Trevor Hoffman's probably a really good example of yeah. that. Where, Great you know, call. You, you knew that a changeup was coming after a while. And, you know, when he oh, first yeah. started throwing, he could be 95, 96, like he could air it out. But man, it, I, I just wish I had, you know, the go back machine to say, you know what, I'm going to throw this guy like five straight changeups, you know, they're all going to kind of die. And, you know, right. that just goes against you, common thinking, it yeah. goes against common thinking. And then that fastball looks faster. And, and even if they know it's coming, it's really hard to take a knee high fa uh, change up and do something with it. Now, to stay if you're back sitting long enough to do up, something with it. Yeah. Right. If you, if you know, it's coming as a hitter, you know, you might be thinking, all right, let's, let's stay to right center, you know, keep my hands back, all that. But I'm just saying it's even hard. They say it's hard to know when you know what's coming to hit. But it's a lot easier to hit a fastball when you know it's coming. Even when you know a changeup's <laughs> coming, you don't really want to hit a changeup because you've got to provide the power. You have to exactly. do something. And so now sitting on the, you know, on the sideline, it's really easy to be like, man, it'd be fun to just throw like eight straight changeups and then throw a fastball <laughs> and kind of see what the hitters would do. Look but like I think you touch two. That's right. But I think you touch on a really good point back to Grinky, and he's setting a good example. Um, you know, sure. it's funny to look at Belak. I've been watching a lot of Astros baseball, and he's had really three consecutive starts that are really nice. And, you know, to call him like a pitch-to-contact pitcher at 92 to 95 is like, that, that, That's a right. whole new world we live in now, man. It's crazy. It, it is, because he looks more like a not a power pitcher. He's mixing his pitches really well. But he what he does that I see is he's pitching with confidence, and that makes a big difference. And we already brought mm -hmm. up Gott, the closer for the Giants. Man, I mean, three walk-offs, three nights in a row, and that guy's got lights-out stuff. So, again, back to between the ears. So, hopefully – 
Granky's setting a good, good example for these guys and, and Machado's learning as well what Granky's doing that's helping get these guys out. And you and I, I mean, I won't out you as much, but I will send you texts during the games. And very often I'm making fun of Machado, either, you know, boxing uh, a pitch. Maldonado? Maldonado, or, sorry, yeah. Machado. I want to call him Machado because machete. machete. That's what I hear. But yeah, yeah. I love saying oh, machete. There you go. <laughs> so Maldonado, I make fun of only because as a former pitcher, man, he's back there. You know, yeah, he throws guys out, but he's not moving well. He's boxing some pitches. He's not helping the pitcher. <laughs> but I will say on, you know, live on our podcast, I mean, he has done a much better job of that. And maybe part of that is because, he doesn't have the Verlanders and the Coles out there. Great He's got call. the Belax and, you know, these other guys that are coming and going and he has to be more mature and he has to um, work a little bit harder. And I definitely see, um, especially now that they've turned around the wins and losses, you can see it having a positive effect on the Astros. No, Maldonado's done a good job. You're right. He, he's not typically one of those guys that will go out there and frame things up and, and have good analytics in that sense. But I think what, you know, to the, to what you're talking about is, you know, the Verlanders and Coles are going to overwhelm guys and get swing and, swings and misses. Uh, but the guys who are on the edges, you need to be a little more adamant about really making the pitch look good or receiving it well enough to make the guy behind you actually think it's a strike. Um, other Astros news that is going on, because Granke is great and will continue to gr- be great, and I think he is rubbing off and being an ace of the staff on some of these younger guys, uh, is Jordan Alvarez. Now, we, this, broadcast, this podcast will come out over the, on Friday. It is currently Wednesday, and there was a radio show this morning here in town in Houston. We knew that Jordan Alvarez was hurt. He went on the injured list, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Dusty Baker comes on to a radio show and basically says he's not sure that Jordan's going to be back the rest of the year. And for those of us who are following the Astros, that came as a little bit of a shock. We knew that the knees were bad, but we had no idea they were this bad. We heard that he would be back after a quick stint on the injured list uh, and be back in that lineup providing the power that we need. And now all of a sudden, all those hopes are dashed. And I'm not sure what's going on, but that is a big blow to this lineup because Michael Brantley's still on the injured list. George Springer is nursing a bad wrist. We're winning. The Astros are winning games by tight margins. They need a lot of offense to go with this pitching. But, man, this is a huge blow. But the thing that kind of shocks me more than anything is the fact that Dusty Baker has come out in a morning show before a weekend, you know, before a series in uh, Colorado and says, yep, Jordan's gone. May never see him again. And I was just – I was so taken aback by that. I'm shocked right now. Shocked. Huh. I didn't realize that. And you look shocked. I will say you're going to be a lot less tingly without Jordan Alvarez in the, the, uh, the tingle is gone in the lineup, but uh, you know, these things do happen. Um, We did touch on some of this earlier in um, the year before the season started. We talked about what a 60 game season would mean without the live action to prepare and get ready. And right now we haven't seen Verlander. And as you said, Springer's dinged up. He threw some flat ground. That's good news. ah, There you go. So there's a, a ray of sunshine. Nice job, Blummer. Some <laughs> optimism here. But a, but a again, minor tingle. there you go, a minor tingle. So so Verlander has not uh, thrown. Um, Springer is, like you said, nursing a wrist. You got um, Brantley on the IL. You got well, Alvarez definitely going on the IL, but maybe out for the season. And some of these are just, you know, I mean, the, the pitching staff, like you said, you've got out of those guys, I, the only guy I recognize coming out of the bullpen is Presley, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So you have Granky and Presley are like two of the guys I, I you know, I recognize. Um, 
Who's the other guy in the IL from the bullpen that was? Uh, oh, there's there's uh, Peacock, Presley, Osuna. Peacock uh, and Osuna are the yeah, two guys I was thinking of. Those were the two of. guys so, closing things out. They were yeah, so out. I'm just looking at all those guys, and you're saying, look, I mean, the spring training, starting spring training, stopping spring training, starting spring training again is just, you know, not working out for the Astros right now, and it's not putting them in the, uh, in the driver's seat to make things happen. I guess the optimism is the A's were really hot, and they finally lost the game. The Astros are in second place, so they're kind of mm-hmm. still – hanging they're around in the playoffs the yeah 2020 in, playoffs right they're in the playoffs and if they get in and they get some of those guys back then that's what we talked about the sprint will be um advantageous to the teams with um with the more experience and the better players but the astros got to get there and it's not going to be good limping in and if you limp all the way in and Jordan's not in the lineup then you know you're still you're still probably at a disadvantage so it it yeah. hasn't this little 60 game sprint hasn't worked out yet for the Astros and maybe there's good things to come. Maybe not. Yeah. I can only hope that at, by the end of these 60 games, there's about 40 left a little over or a little under 40, I think 37, 38 games left, which is amazing to talk about. I mean, that's basically a month left of baseball, but you hope at, at the end of the next two weeks, you're going to be halfway through the season. I mean, what is is that not incredible to think about? TK yeah. said that the other day, and I'm looking at him going, what? Man, we yeah. just started, dude. What are you talking about? Yeah. But this is just so bizarre to, to be able to do these games. But um, and well, speaking of bizarreness. Yeah, I was going to say, let me just jump in. In weird times, right, we have weird things happen. Um, and 2020, we know, is the year that we're going to write off for everything. But I will say uh, another fantastic article about the unwritten rules of baseball came out. It was in yeah, the Yeah, this Athletic. is where I was going. Beautiful. Yeah, I knew you were. Um, but I thought it would be nicer if I let it in. So thank you for letting me hog the mic. So anyway, so it, it is a bizarre time, but the unwritten rules of baseball, if you get on the athletic, read the article, I don't remember the author as Jeff and I do prepare, but we typically don't prepare to the nth degree with like writing down authors and all that. But, but the tone of the article was okay, but it just said another example of these unwritten rules that we don't know anything about. And um, the example yeah, they were f- starting folks with. Folks at home, sit back and listen to Total right now because you've got to <laughs> enjoy what he's about to bring. This is good. I hope they no, do. I bet we're going to get some pushback. This is good. Anyway, so um, basically the author went on to say that Fernando Tatis Jr., um, who it was a 7-1 to ball game in the eighth inning, bases loaded, and he swung at a 3-0 pitch and hit a grand slam and made the game 11-1. to and uh, the next hitter uh, got one zing behind his ear. I believe that was uh, Machado. Speaking of Machado, how about that? I get to say it, and it's correct. Yeah, Freudian slip earlier. Yeah, there you go. Um, and and uh, Jace Tingler uh, said, yep, I guess this young guy's got to learn. You know, So Tatis' own manager said, yep, got to learn those unwritten rules of baseball. <laughs> and um, what are you pointing at? No, I scratched my neck. Oh. Oh, okay. I, thought well, I got some neck funk. Behind. I haven't showered yeah. after I got done golfing. And I still, I probably like part of the bunker back there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> anyway, so Jace Tingler said, hey, this young guy's got to learn uh, about baseball. And the author then proceeded to take the angle of, you know what? None of us know anything about these goddamn unwritten rules of baseball. You know, it doesn't really make sense. They're stupid. Um, you know, granted, he said, I didn't make my high school baseball team, but these unwritten rules, um, are not warranted and they're not valid and they're not really anything that the the regular I guess fan understands so the GP the general population that's a fan of the games and I said well let me provide some clarity right so how you and I talked that, about how this can off somebody there. who's never played or got cut from their high school team yeah. say that exactly that's the, 
that's the part that drives me nuts. Right. Until you stood in there and had a dude hit a grand slam on a 3-0 count down by seven, you don't, you, how can you say that? I totally agree with you. And right. So to the outside person that's in, you know, in a vacuum, it looks like it's silly, right? These guys are just playing baseball. Some of the other unwritten rules, I have a story about that, but let me get to the analogy. The analogy I came up with right away was from a few good men, right? Tom Cruise has got Noah Wiley on the stand. Sorry, I don't know the characters' names. And, you know, he pulls out the manual, right? The Marine manual for Gitmo for Guantanamo Bay. And he says, hey, you know, show me where it says, you know, code red in here. And he's like, well, it's not in there. And uh, Kevin Bacon, you know, walks away and Tom Cruise grabs it and says, uh, can you show me how to get to the mess hall in the, uh, in the manual? And he's like, well, it's not in there. And he said, you mean to tell me the whole time you've been down here for years, you've never eaten a meal in the mess hall? And he goes, no, 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 no. And he goes, well, then how do you get there if it's not in the manual, if it's not written down, if it's not a rule? And he said, oh, I just follow the crowd at chow time, right? I mean, that's, that's the line. He knows how to get there and he knows he has to eat and he just follows everybody over to the mess hall. That is a perfect analogy for the unwritten rules of baseball. If you're in the clubhouse and you um, hang out with this family, this group of guys that all are rowing the boat in the same direction, then there are rules that you have to follow, just like in your house, just like in your clubhouse, just like on your team, um, anywhere else in society, just like your place of employment, there are rules that you have to follow that are not always written down. And that goes, uh, that holds true with baseball. The other thing it made me think of full circle and because we have provided some positivity in this podcast based on what goes on in the clubhouse is we talked about um, with the racial issues before. It's like, dude, you're in a clubhouse. You don't really see color in the clubhouse. I mean, you're, you know, it doesn't really matter if they're from Puerto Rico or the Dominican or from New York City or from Florida or Texas or it just doesn't matter. You're mm -hmm. in the clubhouse. You guys are all, you know, essentially all the same as long as you're, you know, have this common goal. And that, again, applies to what we're saying. These unwritten rules are still rules and they're still valid rules of baseball. And I think until you've walked a mile in another man's shoes, I think it's really, um, I don't know if it's disingenuous, but it's not really respectful to say, hey, those rules that have been around since the beginning of time, those unwritten rules of baseball, they're bullshit and they don't mean anything. They mean a lot to us. And mm -hmm. I'm going to finish up with one story and I want to get your thoughts on it. So I remember being in spring training with the Reds and uh, I got called over to the big league side at one point and uh, Nolan Ryan was still playing, believe it or not. Um, or he had just finished. I can't remember. But the story was this guy's sitting on the bench and Nolan Ryan's throwing a couple innings in spring training and he gets his gets the ball back from the catcher and he walks all the way down to home plate. And I'm sure you've heard stories like this before. And there's like, you know, the salty veteran, you know, hitting coach sitting there. And then there's this young whippersnapper like, Hey, you know, I got a bat. I'm ready to hit. And Nolan Ryan walks all the way down to home plate and he smooths out the dirt right along the foul line, right there on the cutout of home plate. And he smooths it out. But the whole time he's looking in the dugout, he's looking in the visiting dugout and he smooths out the dirt and he walks over to the other line, third baseline. And he, smooths out the dirt and the young guy's like hey hey uh hick like what 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 are we doing here like what what's he doing man and he goes oh nolan oh nolan he's just reminding us we don't bunt on him and that was it <laughs> like that's it well yeah you can bunt and yeah. bunting's part of baseball and here's the guy who throws seven no hitters you're taking your life in your hands if you square around and drop down Literally. a bunt on a 42 year old dude in spring training and mm -hmm. he knew it and the veteran hitters all knew it too. 
And that's an unwritten rule of baseball. And if you want to bunt on him, you know, as a 42 year old or 43 year old guy in the big leagues at spring training, more power to you, go for it. So I think again, just a couple of those examples, the few good men example and that Nolan Ryan story. I mean, there are unwritten rules of baseball that you should follow if you want to keep your health, earn the respect of your teammates <laughs> and be a successful baseball player at the highest level. You said the most important word in there. Now everybody's saying unwritten rules. Why are there unwritten rules? Because it's out of respect for the other team. And I know you're trying to bury them, but you don't need to kick them in the nuts while they're on the ground after getting knocked out. That's the only thing. That's where the unwritten rules kind of come in. It's just out of respect for the game and respect for the other team that is struggling that you're just absolutely putting an ass whooping on. Uh, you know, 3-0 down, up by seven runs. It's on the borderline. We saw the Oakland A's come back from a six-run deficit in San Francisco. So the, the comebacks are possible, especially in this day, day and age of lift and separate where everybody's hitting home runs. Um, how, about the, how about being on the other side and saying, you shouldn't have given up the seven runs? How about you shouldn't have gotten to that 3-0 count and been in a situation where you're being forced to throw a pitch I know you're going to throw for a strike? Uh, you know, it wasn't a good pitch, by the way. It was a pretty nasty pitch away, and he hammered it the other way for a home run. Yes, but, but, you know, those are, you know, that's the other side is like, well, I'm not the one that's, you know, we're whooping your ass. We're not getting yeah. whooped up on, so we're going to swing it. But the 3-0 thing is, is more of a sign of respect because the theory is he's gonna, the pitcher is going to throw the same pitch 3-1 that he threw 3-0. So why are you swinging 3-0? You could wait one more pitch, hit the home run, and guess what? You could run around the bases with both flaps up with the bird in the air and say, I hit a bomb and we're up 11 nothing now and, and rub it in their face, and nobody would say anything. Uh, there's so many uh, pieces of this onion to peel back because this is the same Texas Rangers team with Mike Miner on the mound who was going for his 200th strikeout, had a guy pop up with two strikes, and they dropped it in foul territory in order to have him have the opportunity to go strike out number 200. So there's a lot going on. And if that's not an unwritten rule, this is not an unwritten rule. You just go out there and start hammering guys. But uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. is the son of a former major leaguer. I'm not sure if there was any teaching along the way in that sense. He's obviously got the talent to play in the show, and he's a phenomenal uh, talent. But uh, at the same time, we had a situation with Houston. The first year Yuli Gurriel came over from Cuba, I believe we were in, uh, I want to say it's either Baltimore or Seattle. And the Astros are up six or seven runs in a similar situation. Bases weren't loaded, but it was a 3-0 count. And Yuli lets it eat, man. He's like, fastball up, ugh, fouls it back. The opposing manager and team all of a sudden went, whoop, and got on the top deck. And they were like, this but before that they could get anything out of their mouth, A.J. Hinch got to the top step and kind of started putting his hands on his chest like, no, 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 it's okay, it's on me, it's on me. Because you leave been playing in Cuba. When they play in Cuba, they're out there for blood. Yeah. They're out there crushing people. You get down 3-0, I'm not looking at the scoreboard. I'm looking at the count I'm in right here, and I'm getting a pitch to hit. So that's part of the mentality too is that a lot of these hitters will take the scoreboard out of it and go swing it just to get their numbers. And hey, man, it's 2020. You don't yeah. know what you're going to get. <laughs> no. Hey, and two, two things to that. So again, there's the higher overarching 
unwritten rules of baseball, which I do appreciate. You're peeling back the onion specifically on Tatis Jr., the Mike Minor fact, you know, mm-hmm. all these other little every situation. There's a certain, lot going on. They all there's have a lot going on context. Yeah. Right. But I think you really touched on a good point, which is the subtle difference between 3-0 and 3-1. And that's a really good point, which is look you're going to get the same pitch. That's the idea. Maybe this guy can find the zone. He hasn't found the zone yet. And so, yeah, if he hammers a three, one pitch out, then he, then this whole conversation goes away in respect to so that. Or regard to that. Pitch. Yeah, it, it, it is crazy, but it makes sense to you. And it makes sense to mm-hmm. me. It does like why come out of your shoes? Because you played. That's right. And that's what, that was my overarching point about this guy writing saying, Hey, I never played, but it's like, Hey, the, I never played takes you out of the, um, the voting category for whether this is the right thing or the wrong thing to do. And then the other piece he put in the article, which I actually liked too, was Joe Morgan and Jim Palmer, who both uh, finished their last year at the same time, like 1984, I think in the big leagues. And in 1990 or 91, they were both nominated to the hall of fame. So they went in together. Um, Jim Palmer was at the end of his career. He was also aging 39, 40, 41, 42 in 1984. He came in a game out of the bullpen it was like eight to one. The Reds were winning big red machine. Joe Morgan stepped up to the plate. He was in his last year and three uh, Oh pitch. And he came unglued. He swung and missed or fouled it back and fell down. <laughs> and then, then something happened. He rolled over or something happened and the game ended. And at the end of the game, they asked him about it. And he said, Oh my God, I'm so sorry for doing that. I don't know what, what came over me, but the next day he hunted down Jim Palmer in the clubhouse and said, dude, I am so sorry for doing that. Like he knew what the rule was again, the unwritten rules. And he, he doesn't know what, you know, caused him to do that. If he blacked out or, you know, he was just trying to get one last hit, but he, he actually went to, you know, didn't have cell phones back in 1984, not as uh uh, readily available as we do now and he basically went uh found him the next day and just completely apologized for swinging 3-0 and I, I know it doesn't make sense to certain people but uh but like I said I think the value here is we played the game and just because it's an unwritten rule doesn't mean it's not a rule and I'm happy to uh support that till the day I die I like it no I mean there's unwritten rules and until you've actually stepped in that box or had a guy you know, you can sit there and say, oh, man, that's a bunch of BS, the unwritten rule. He shouldn't, he, you know, let him hit, let him drive it out of there. I don't know how to get people who haven't stood on the other side of that situation and help them understand how just brutal it feels like when the guy just opens up on a 3-0 uh, pitch that he knows is coming and hammers it out of the ballpark. And you're just sitting there, you know, all of a sudden you don't have any more shoulders. You're just – Everything yeah. comes out of you, man, and you're just beat like a dead dog. And all it does is create a, an, an anger issue, more yeah. or less. And I do think at the professional level, it's different. I mean, we talk about professional courtesy. I mean, it really is a professional thing. And, and in all honesty, as a pitcher, I'm frustrated. I'm down 3-0. It's 10-1. to Maybe it's my – maybe I gave up the five runs before it, but most likely at the big league level, it's a, it's a clean slate for me. But the game is kind of – they're putting me in a 10-1 game for a reason, like, you mm-hmm. know, like Cy Sneed the other day, right? Like, yeah. we're going to get him in there and get him some work. And if he can put up a zero, maybe his confidence goes, great, let's do it. Get him in there, get his confidence. I'm 3-0. Now, if he comes out of his shoes on 3-0, I'm not happy in a 10-1 game. If it's 3-1 and I groove one and he cr- crushes it, I'm like, dude, I shouldn't have been down 3-1, right? Like, I, sh- I, I need to get ahead of these guys. So yeah. it, it, it really, you know, we could just keep going around and around with that. But I, I just feel like, that that would be on me. The 3-0 thing is a professional courtesy. I mean, you're not going to try and 
disrespect the guy. And the other thing I wanted to say about that was the women's soccer team when they beat, uh, was it the Philippines or something? Or they beat, mm-hmm. uh, they beat them like fi- 15 to nothing or 14 to nothing. But guess what they did? They subbed out all the starters, right? So it's mm-hmm. seven, eight, nothing. They subbed everybody out. They put in their B team and then they put in their C team. Again, that's out of respect for the team, uh, the other team, but they're not going to like, stop playing soccer like that's more disrespectful than putting in the c team or the d team and not playing at all no it's tough i mean and there's instances in football too you know there's unwritten rules in football where you just start don't start throwing bombs on the first down to to score touchdowns and pad your stats but uh it's in every sport where that there's a there's a certain level of respect uh, you got anything else you want to hit on or do you just want to hustle into what'll tuttle say what are you feeling like man because this is on you um, I do have a Weddle Tuttle say topic, but I feel like this whole podcast has been at least me just getting all fired up and Weddle Tuttle good, say and everything. Man. That's so. why it's good. Yeah. All right, so let's go, man. Weddle Tuttle say. All right, I think it's a simple one. Uh, Weddle Tuttle say today is I, I just I keep seeing this commercial that Dwayne Wade narrates, and it says that he's also part of the ownership group or the founder for Budweiser 0.0 alcohol beer. Yes. <laughs> What and is I'm, the point? I, I don't get the point. Thank you. Like, what is the point for non-alcoholic beer? Now, I will give the Astros podcast or the Astros, Astros baseball podcast that Rob Fontenot does um, mm-hmm. a little credit because he had me on a couple weeks ago doing fair or foul. So it was the one word answer. Is this fair or foul? And non-alcoholic beer. And I shrugged my shoulders. I'm like, if I said that was fair, you would kick me off this podcast. I mean, that's foul. <laughs> that's foul by a mile. But what's the point? So seltzer, I can get behind, right? We've always had mm-hmm. wine coolers. We've always had the light alcohol, like, hey, you know, maybe more um, uh, with a sexist comment, you know, it's more of a girly <laughs> drink. That's fine. Like a, a cocktail with an umbrella coming out Judge of it. Judge me. Yeah. Hey, I'm not judging. But, uh, but non-alcoholic beer, like, you know, it took me five, 10 years to get used to the taste of black coffee. Now we've talked about coffee. I love coffee. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can taste now like a, like a wine connoisseur, like a sommelier. Oh mm-hmm. yes. Those beans were grown in Costa Rica. That's a there's medium a, there's roast. There's a note of pepper. Yeah. There's a note of, yeah. Like a strawberry in there. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> or lemon zest. You know, I get it. I get it. But non-alcoholic beer. I mean, you know, I like IPAs. Who drinks I like beer co- for the taste? Seriously. So I mean, what you drink is the, the point? I drink St. Arnold's because I like the taste, but I also like the buzz. I do too. I look at me on this podcast. I'm highly caffeinated. I get agitated <laughs> easy. Like I'm like ready to go. I need something to take the edge off. A non-alcoholic beer is not taking the edge off. It's actually making me more edgy. So anyway, <laughs> the, what is the point of non-alcoholic beer? Um, we haven't gotten to the mailbag in a long time, but I would love to have people tweet at Real David Tuttle or send in some mailbag uh, responses to what is the point of non-alcoholic beer? I haven't figured it out. Now, if you're going for the recovering alcoholic group that really just misses the taste of beer, great. But what margin of business, like market share are you going for there? I, I'm, I'm yeah, totally who you, confused. Who are you getting this for? Are you getting it for the guy who's off the wagon but loves the taste and you're just teasing him with it and saying, hey, man, does this taste like a beer? Wouldn't you love (laughs) to have the buzz? Go for the real thing. I mean, this is terrible. There is no idea. And what are you going to do? Are you going to give it to your 12-year-old and be like, I need to train you in drinking beer, but right now you can't have the alcohol version of it, so we're going to give you the non-alcoholic version of it. Everybody gets one. 
<laughs> That's great. Hell? Hey, is there gonna you're, you got a high school party? You know, the parents <laughs> are supervising. All your daughters have everyone over. You got a pool party. Beer, beer. gonna be alcohol at the party? No, no alcohol. You just got thirty packs of Budweiser Zero. <laughs> like, you know, we're just getting them ready for the real thing. Like, you know, everybody. There's gonna, explores, one, there's gonna be one 18 year old in the corner drinking thirty of them, trying to get a buzz out of it with a big X on his hand, right? Like we used to have the club, the 21 and under club. Yeah, like when you're 18 to 21, guy. you get the X. Like, all right. So <laughs> at your house and the the Shays Lounge over there has the Budweiser Zero, and you I'm got big X's. Sharpie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so so again, it is laughable. Uh, I'd love to hear some responses, but I agree with you. You're either training folks to drink before they're ready <laughs> or you're teasing people that are recovering alcoholics yeah. and then or or there is that hugely small population that's uh that's oh, probably the loves the taste so right good. Ooh, the so taste good. of beer is so good yeah well, i don't know so you know what they're making that for yeah they're making no. it for all the people who buy electric bikes now yeah there you go so you, can, so you can drink and ride there we go we've tied it together without a helmet <laughs> so you can drink and ride without a helmet <laughs> And the officer pulls you uh, over and says, man, you ran that red light. You're on an electric bike. You're like, yeah, non-alcoholic beer. Non Doesn't matter. Right. Here's your citation. No helmet. And you're not following the laws of the road. So anyway, I keep seeing the ad and maybe it's uh, your fault as well. But anytime <laughs> you watch, uh, maybe you watch uh, MLB.TV, right? The app. If you're mm -hmm. watching on the app, it circulates like three commercials. <sighs> All the MLB sponsors are on there. So you have Budweiser, you have Roman and one other and so every time there's a commercial break you get one of those so i'm like if i hear Dwayne wade again <laughs> talk about how great the 0.0, .0 alcohol beer is <laughs> i'm going to turn the tv on no i'm out can't can't do it come on come on all right i actually so, should have got a non-alcoholic beer for this podcast that's what i should be drinking then i don't have to be no i'm kidding no and then throw you out man that's not good don't don't ever that's not good don't ever do that don't, don't right. please don't, did, do uh, don't, don't don't put me in such a tough spot did uh did um any of that shake anything loose in your head to give us a blast here for blum's yeah. blast or what well you know what it's actually we do at the end of our podcast we we really try and do a good job of thanking the essential workers thanking the uh, first responders frontliners everybody and the more I sat here and the more I thought about it, I keep hearing out of the corner of my ear because I left my office door open and my girls are probably mad at me for screaming in the background on this podcast is teachers. Mm. This whole Zoom thing is unbelievable to me and watching my kids, are teachers who are doing it on Zoom know this, the kids miss you. The kids miss seeing you in person. They miss having access to you. You're doing the best you can. I can appreciate it. I actually have two blums blast because this has to do with teachers. So the teachers, you're doing a hell of a job. Welcome back to school. I know you're doing the best you can. Hopefully we figure this thing out and we can get kids in class safely and appropriately so that you can do the work you need to do because these kids are desperate to see you. At least mine are. My kids absolutely 100% want to get in school and be with the teachers. Uh, that's how much you mean to them. So that being said, I mentioned that I played golf earlier and my swing coach is out there. I didn't realize how awful my golf swing was until I had a professional teach me how to swing. And now I'm trying to swing the, a golf swing and I suck. But the good thing is, is that every once in a while I hit a good shot. But if you want to get your swing right, and I'm going to pump my boy Scott House right now at Westwood Country Club, because if you go to swingsolutions.co and uh, hopefully you're going to see a short video clip here real quick of him working me on the course, 
The beauty of it is, is you can have this in your pocket on your phone and he will go through some of the swing solutions that he has, like he does with me in the clip you're about to see. So what are we sitting? Tree in the way. Yeah, tree in the way. You gotta go up. Talk me through this thing. Yep, gotta go up. Right there where his cart is. Yep. So over the trees. Okay. All right, we're gonna go ball forward. So I've got a pitching wedge. Pitching wedge, we're gonna go ball forward. Go right elbow in. I need a square face and a finish. Elbow good? Elbow in, yep, right there. Good shot. Yeah, we'll take it. I've got my swing coach. Come on in. I've got my swing coach on the course. If you want to have this guy, Scott House, with you on the course, where do they got to go, Scotty? Swingsolutions.co. Get him on the course with you. He'll make you better. Let's go. So that is Scott House working with me and me grinding out there in 150 degree heat here in Houston, Texas. But kudos to the teachers, kudos to my swing coach who was trying to grind it out, trying to make me look good. And that's going to do it for Blum's uh, Blast. I know it wasn't anything fancy. I was totally ill-prepared, but I'm just encouraged by, uh, you know, what's happening, seeing kids go back to school and learning again. So giving the teachers the shout out. Tuttle, what do you got for me to lay this thing out and finish this off? Yeah, so I, I, as always, I seem to just second what you say for the for the finale. But yeah, the teachers are doing a phenomenal job. Um, every time you talk about golf, I'm thinking about how much we're missing, uh, you know, just regular normal life. And I said last time that like going to the beach, like going surfing or swimming, and then going out in the golf course is the time it feels the most normal. I am really looking forward to a couple of things that we talked about before COVID. One is coming out to Houston to do a live podcast maybe over at, at St. Uh, Arnold's. Arnold's on the, the beer, the beer garden. Yes. And, um, and then golfing. I mean, you've kind of gotten me in the bug of golf. I golfed twice over my little vacation. Nice. I've had no lessons in like five years or 10 years, but, uh, but man, I'd love to go out and, uh, see Scott and, uh, and cause you're sneaky good things. too. That's why you want to play. You're sneaky good. Well, you know, I mean, we've been playing a long time. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I've, you know, I hope, I, my, I hope my eye-hand coordination at least carries me enough to hit that little white ball. Yep. But yeah, I think a few tweaks here or there, which is I think what you're finding, that, uh, mm -hmm. that maybe there's some promise there and it might make the game enjoyable. But I'm really looking forward to coming out and doing a live podcast in Houston um, at the Biergarten and, um, and hitting, hitting the golf ball around with you. And you guys got me yeah. fired up at that PGA thing, like uh, Harding Gosh, Park. You're missing good. out all these places that you would normally Dude, play yeah. too. Painful. So, yeah. So shout out to the teachers, first responders, um, anybody on the front lines. We know that you guys are willing to do things that many of us aren't. Um, mm -hmm. And then from a selfish perspective, I can't wait for things to get back to normal to uh, head out to Houston and do some podcasting and golfing. So that's all I got, Blummer. Yep. Another good week. I like the weeks we don't see each other or keep each other in the loop because I feel like there's a little more fire. And a no, I get excited to see you, man. It really yeah, stirs yeah. it up a little bit. Yeah. Awesome. But uh, it's been good. I hope everybody enjoys the week and the weekend. That is going to do it here on Bleacher Blums. Remember, you can find us on all major podcast platforms, iTunes, iHeart, Spotify. And then, of course, we're on the Social Notion Network. If you actually want to see the video of us and our pretty faces right here, I still have Golf Head yeah. in this podcast that everybody missed out on. Your hair always looks the same as does mine. If it's short enough, yeah. we just got like spiky blonde hair. That's all we got. It doesn't move. Yeah. But the one thing we always want to remind everybody is make sure you get after it. Most of all, believe it. Yeah.